Welcome to the Shannon Milliman Show podcast, where together we believe there is beauty in the mundane, joy in imperfect action, creative words lift us in light and dark. You are the poet of this little corner of earth. It is your job, whether you have experience or not, to bard, to evoke, and to uplift. Greetings. I'm feeling all sorts of emotions this week. Somber, unsure, uncertain, the list goes on. My grandfather is in the intensive care unit and had an invasive surgery where they didn't quite resolve what the issue is, nor are they sure what the issue is. And there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknown. My grandpa has thus far lived a very abundant life and has much to be proud of and his posterity, as my father says, quotes, by their fruits ye shall know them. If you know the fruit of my grandfather, me included, we are a beautiful bunch. He has created a beautiful sands upon the sea generation. Nonetheless, although his life thus far has been full and wonderful, you don't want it to end. You want time to continue on. And it's unknown. Today, my family joined together where we fasted and prayed with a singular intent that the right decisions would be made for the support of both my grandfather and my grandmother. I am a lazy faster. It has to be something really urgent that I actually apply myself and do it. And I know that it's such a pure of heart practice and I feel so many intense emotions when I partake in that sort of experience. But today I am doing that in solidarity with my family and I share solely for the purpose of just speaking out loud the power of doing something for a common goal. And the end result, you cannot expect that if you do something, you get this result. But when you do something, you will get a result. And that result is still to be to be determined. And I think there's a beauty in that. That's very much, I'm learning a lesson of writing and continuing that process of writing, even when I don't want to, and continuing the ellipsis, let it linger into that moment a little bit longer. Naturally, this turn of events has caused me to be contemplative and reflective and sad and oh, so many things. But more than anything, I think it's created an urgency within myself. I realize this labor of love that I call the work of writing my grandfather and ultimately my grandmother's life story to be something that is a gift that I get to partake in and that I get to give to him and to them and to others. But you have to create the gift and wrap the gift in order to give the gift. So I'm in the midst of that and realizing that I may not have time 
And time, you know, time is a fleeting thing that is never on anyone's side. It is up to me this moment, the moments that I have to act and to write. So yesterday, well, let's see, Tuesday. So that would have been two days ago. I participated in a weekly writing workshop with Jana Lopez that I have gotten such radiating joy out of the group that meets together. We meet weekly and we are led with prompts to write and to go internal. And it's been a good practice for me. I found I had, of course, weighing on my mind, my grandfather. And so some of the prompts very easily led me to his life. And as I began to write, it bubbled and it flowed like lava from a mountainside touching the countryside. I couldn't be stopped. And at first I I started out with this intention. There I knew where I was going. It was just kind of this and that. And then somehow the veil became thin and I was guttural and raw and the things that I shared, I didn't intend to share. And there was some truth in there that was unpleasant for me to confront and realize, but I couldn't deny that it was true. And then I realized that's, that's what this is all about. So I made a commitment to myself that with that breakthrough, I would tomorrow independently, that was Wednesday, write And I thought about how much time I could give balancing work and life and family and all the things. And I decided to be realistic, but stretch myself. And so I told myself I would set a timer for two hours and I would write. And yesterday I set that timer for two hours and brothers and sisters, I wrote, I felt that I did my duty and today I did it again for two hours. I wrote and in the last few days I have communicated through a little miracle. I like to call Marco Polo an application on my cellular phone that enables me to send video messages to my grandfather. And that is the main vehicle that I've been able to interview him over the past year and get his recollections of his life, his memories, stories, his impressions. And I believe that particular medium has given me an honesty because my grandfather gets to share at his convenience, at his preference, the, the timing and the things that he wants to share. And that content is just like precious gold to me. And knowing that he is in extreme pain right now, I've heard from many sources, I didn't know what level or ability he would have to communicate. And let me make a statement. During this COVID-19 time frame, there are restrictions in the intensive care unit wherein they're limiting who can visit my grandfather. My aunt, his second oldest, my father being the oldest, and his wife was able to visit him on the first day. And after that, they have not allowed any visitors to come to visit him in person. There is, however, apparently a glass window that guests can go and stand and be near him and that he can sense their presence. He can sort of communicate, though he's hard of hearing. 
and again, an immeasurable pain. But it is so debilitating to my soul to contemplate my father, my grandfather alone with hospital staff that I know are caring. I trust they're caring and I pray that they give the solace he needs in some form. But his intimate loved ones are distant from him physically as well as emotionally. And as many deep burdens are, ultimately this is his burden to carry. And how sobering that is. But nonetheless, wouldn't you like to help carry the burden in some artificial or hopeful way? So when a few days have passed, I received a message from my grandpa. And it was shocking and jarring to realize and witness how much pain he was in and is in. And yet he took the care, the effort to communicate, to reach out with me and with others. And he's communicated with me a couple of times. And he expressed to me throughout this communication that maybe... This travail that he is going through has been the thing that is creating the urgency to finish his work, finish his story. He expressed gratitude to me for doing this work, this love, and I just feel overwhelmed. The joy has been mine, is mine, and I just can't even imagine that he has even a fraction of the joy that I have experienced out of being a partaker and the crafter of his story. What an honor. Uh, today, um, I've been thinking about all the different writings and impressions that I've had of him that I've sketched and written little things and big things. And I'm learning to weave it together to make a coherent entity. But there's one piece that I wrote and I just felt this urgency to share it with him. It's quite poetic and probably not the sort of piece that he would normally be drawn to, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. So I chose to, after I got a response from him, realizing he he is checking when he can, when he's able, um, and I read it to him, and his response to me today was sweet and tender and He told me something, a little phrase, that I think will stick with me forever. He told me, after hearing that, that I am one of a kind. One of a kind. Wow. What a a perfect phrase and something I'll take with me forever. I think about all the things that we do in our life and the things that we get to choose to do. And this... Uh, adventure of creating my grandpa's life story is an adventure for me and it's just really satisfying and really wonderful to know that he appreciates it, it as well I am impressed to see how my grandpa has this innate ability to see the silver lining in the midst of despair and impossibly the road to the end of his life. 
uh, the doctors indicate some good news. His vitals are improving, his heart rate being up. He is in excruciating pain, though. It's pain that medication and treatment can't touch. And he has expressed that he wants to die. He believes he is dying. And it's unknown what the next second brings or what life brings to us. And uh, I just, I knew this would happen. That I would run out of time. And yet at the same time, it's not about me. My latest Marco Polo message from Grandpa has him telling me that he has doubts there would be so much urgency to get this work done were he not were where he is in this moment. Experiencing this darkness in this moment, I don't want that to be the case. I want to have been altruistically motivated to complete this work, this love, but he's right. When my father learned of his father's condition he was immediately concerned with the level of pain his father was experiencing at the moment I was sort of short-sighted I didn't immediately consider that I've rolled that around in my head and I thought maybe that's just my youth my naivete my ignorance of what pain in your life is like physical pain is something that I do not endure on the regular so it's not as much a part of my awareness But when I hear details of what pain feels like, as I see that video response from my grandfather, who stumbled to identify my name, a little discombobulated and off-centered, and uh, expressing whatever he can, that he can't even roll over, he can't do this, that pain is undefinable. He has a tube up his nose that connects to his stomach, and I hear he has about a half dozen other tubes that if he makes it he will stay with him for a while and my aunt gives updates and wants me to pass them on to my siblings and then she begins to communicate with us as a group she tries calling my dad and I think their phone is off the hook um of course what a time for that finally my aunt gets a hold of her brother And she lets me know they've talked a couple of times, giving him updates and requests that they join in for a family fast. And he says that he'll make sure that he passes on the request to all of us. And it was just a few weeks ago that I was in Idaho interviewing loved ones who knew my grandparents and visiting with them as well. And daily I would give updates to Grandpa about who we would visit and what we talked about and the feelings we experienced My grandpa beamed like a sunbeam, expressing joy that we were connecting with his people. Now my grandpa is alone. He still has a cheerleading squad that's there in person, but distant from a window. And around the country, his people are believing in him and sending him love and peace and strength in this in trial that he must endure and I have noticed as it's caused me to connect with my family members as we communicate about how grandpa's doing it's connected us in unexpected ways and I spoke with my brother the other day and he redirected my kind of negative energy and, and frustration and helped me remember to think about 
loving each other more and to not get distracted by the agony or what you can't control. And I felt peace in getting that feedback from my little brother. And I, my dad, quite distant, thousands of miles and away in Alaska, is more connected than I realized, I think. A couple days ago in Grandpa's grueling pain, he tried to call my father and my dad missed the call. But the next day my dad called him back and he talked to his father. I don't know what was said and I don't need to know, but somehow I felt happy they talked to each other. I wonder what it would be like to be at the mercy of pain, adversity, and grief. In 1 Corinthians, suffering is analyzed and I can interpret in that that when suffering at end of life is so intense that relief and release life as we know it, ending is a clear resolution, you know, thoughts that aren't really tied up, but ones that I'm rolling around continually in my head. And the exchanges that I've had with my grandpa, I feel so grateful for. And um, I decided to read to him something that I maybe wouldn't have. It's a little poetic. It's a little, it's a little um, macabre. Maybe, I don't know, but at this moment, it ended up feeling like the right thing to do. And so I read it to him, and that's when he told me in response that I was one of a kind. What does the blue of Lake Cleveland look like on a spring day with Grandpa, a father of four, alone, or with his fishing buddy floating on his pontoon look like? Is it the same color as the silvery scales? on the most beautiful rainbow trout you have ever laid eyes on? Is it the same shade as Grandpa's eyes, protected with his Coke bottle-rimmed glasses? The magnification brightens and intensifies that sweet blue color. Those blue eyes were the ones that caught a pretty young woman with radiant hair and, oh, what a figure. She was only 17, but rather than be blue, this earnest young man wrote her letters almost daily while in the service. Air Force. He did well there, was promoted. His higher-ups recommended he stick with it. He could really make a career out of this. In his letters, I read blue, blue and gray, swirled with wonderment and uncertainty, shy blue, but very true. He looked to a young woman, a girl even, to steady him, to infuse him with the confidence that blue and red could be complementary hues. On the color wheel, they are opposites. But they are primary colors. They bind their genetics, creating white, blue, red, and blue. What to do with the one color they don't understand? Regret, remorse, guilt, shame. Nothing more, nothing less. The blue Idaho sky that seems to mirror the land, open wide for you and for me. It is his home, his identity, where he roams, where his people are buried where he will be buried. The nerves and hollow of my core quiver to think of a day when my grandfather, my blue and yellow and bright man of quiet warmth and calm and goodness will decompose and become earth. Earth that will nourish flowers, things of beauty, snapdragons, like the ones he taught me you can squeeze to make talk. Grass that keeps the gray magic valley soil from being windblown and leaving the magic. Release the soil, his spirit, the good and the bad, the sin and the shame, 
and the fear and the sad and let it rise like blue wind to the creator of heaven, earth, and the affinity and let this light connect to the blue stars swirling, seeing the earth below and seeing it was enough. Well done in the shade of blue, thou good and faithful servant. He told me I was one of a kind upon sharing that. He traced his memory. He tried to think of anything, any other memory he hadn't told me. And he told me memories that he had told me before. But knowing that these were the memories that came to his mind at this moment lifted my heart because I knew they were important to him. He told me he loved singing. He loved music. He didn't know many songs, but he remembered that he loved singing. I told him, I remember him singing to my little sister. Katie, you're the only one that I adore. Bouncing her on his knee, her red hair flopping about, and her giggling. <laughs> and I recall him singing, how much is that doggy in the window? And just in June, I visited, and the Sunday that I was there was Father's Day. On that Sunday, I sat by him in sacrament meeting in church with a congregation that I didn't know, but that I knew, knew him. And I sat there, and many people came and approached me and assumed that I was Larry's granddaughter and introduced themselves. And I got to introduce myself, and I told my grandfather I have always been proud, a humble pride, to introduce myself and to be his granddaughter. And I've become cognizant that my grandfather is my grandfather, my leader, my mentor, and my friend, my patriarch, and so many words that you just can't express. But pure special ones and I remember that Sunday sitting by his side on the church pew and singing with a congregation and singing with him and harmonizing with him and hearing my voice and his voice and considering that some of the timbers of our voice are similar because we share DNA and just peacefully doing something that's familiar and ordinary Going to church is a regular part of my life. It has been my entire life. It's been a regular part, a familiar part of my grandfather's life. It's a pattern. And doing that regular, ordinary thing, that mundane thing together, sitting on the church pew, singing together and separately, was a beautiful memory that I have. And I'm grateful. Amidst this week of uncertainty where the end result is not known, there are a couple principles that I have had impressed upon me, and that is to do things even if you're not sure of the outcome. I was unsure if it would burden my grandfather to send him a Marco Polo. I was unsure if I should make a phone call to him. He might not be able to get to the phone I was unsure if I should recommend my cousins share the memories that they shared with me for his life story. I didn't want to assume. I didn't want to overstep. I didn't want to stress parties out. 
I didn't want to make my grandfather feel uh, too many feelings. I didn't want to make him feel like he had to respond to me. I wanted him to focus on him. I, I, so many hesitations and reasons did I filter in my mind about why it might not be a good idea to act and to step into imperfectly acting. And most of the times this week, I checked those qualifiers at the door and I acted. I attempted to call my grandfather. He didn't answer. I sent him a Marco Polo message for several days. He didn't answer. And then he did answer. And with discernment and grace, I've tried to gauge the appropriate amount of communication and recognize that he can respond or he can hear or listen according to his ability and that I can give without worry about holding back. That I can give without worry of holding back. That I should give without worry for how it is received. 